Good morning. morning. How are we doing? (laughs) That's good news. That's good news. Revel out. Well done, Becca. Lead on. Wow. As Gareth prompted the other week, please be praying for a larger building because uh, we, you know, we, we are struggling upstairs for space for youth. Maybe we need to feed them less. That would give us more room. They all seem to be six foot plus. I don't know what's going on there. Wow. The Spirit of the Lord is here. He is good. Let's just take a moment with him, shall we? Let's just marinate in his presence. Let's just make sure we're well aware of him. Holy Spirit, we're truly grateful for your presence amongst us. We're truly grateful. Please increase, increase our understanding of what you're doing in this space. (coughs) Increase the glory of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we love your presence. We love your presence. you've not received the Holy Spirit, you've not experienced him before, I just encourage you, just put your hands out, just you can put them out on your lap, and you just ask him. Ask him, let me understand who you are and how you're moving in this space. I want to experience you, God. If it's for the first time, it's for the 500th time. He's here. It's not our behavior, our psychology, our practice, it's his grace. If you've confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and you recognize him as the one who's covered all of your offense towards God, the Holy Spirit is present to minister to you. I believe he'll also minister to you to help you make that confession. So Lord, we give you this time. We give you these words. We give you this moment. And we ask you to do immeasurably more than what my words can. Do immeasurably more than what us gathered as a community would be without you. Do immeasurably more in our hearts through your word than our best philosophy and understanding could ever accomplish. Give us hearts that love Jesus. 
Give us hearts that love him. Place in us today the love of the Father for the Son. As you asked it, Jesus, you said, may the disciples, may they love me with the love the Father has for me. That was your request. We know that you are one with the Holy Spirit and you are in agreement. And so today we say with you, yes and amen. Give us the love of the Father for the Son. Give us this grace in our hearts that we might love him as passionately as the Father does. Set our hearts aflame for the glory of Jesus, for his fame and his renown. Amen. To be honest, I have no idea what I'm going to say because... um, Yeah, I know, you've set me up and, and now I'm like, I have no idea where I'm going to go because I, I said some stuff in the first meeting and I can say some of that bit, bef- you know, now. But he loves you. with an incredible love, an incredible love that is so profound he hung on a cross. It's an outrageous overflow of the heart of God in the person of Jesus Christ. God fully indwelling Jesus Christ and he says, I will go and I will remedy this situation. Because I love you and I know you by name. I know you. And I know you've got no hope in hell of getting this sorted out on your own. So I know you need me. And I want you to know my love. I think the thing that is resonating in my heart today is the fact of God saying, I want you to know my love. I want you to know my love. I want you to know it. I want it to punch through. To get in there. To reside in your heart of hearts. To get into your mind. So that you are steadfast. So that you are firm. So that you are overjoyed. But that you are also at peace. That you're also able to stand. And then when everything's come against you, stand. Because you're steadfast in my love. The Lord knows what's going on in the world. He knows. He knows what's going on with you. He knows your circumstances. He knows your losses and your gains. And he knows what's going on. He knows what troubles you. He knows it all. He knows it all. And his arm, the Bible talks about his arm, his power, his strength, is not too short to save and rescue. He's not incapable. He is capable 
And while he's going to take us on journeys of faith and adventure and experience in him, he wants us to be assured that the foundational premise of everything that we do is his outrageous love and grace. Nothing supersedes that. Nothing. Not our works, not our efforts, not our obedience, not our self-sacrifice, not our giving. Nothing. It is his absolute foundational grace and mercy. It's his love that surrounds us. He wants to break through what has built up around our hearts and minds of our thinking. And that's what we've been doing over the last four weeks in the series of Galatians. Paul's letter to the churches in the area just to the east of Turkey called Galatia. And people have been going into the church and going, no, not good enough to rely solely on Christ. You need to add something to it. Add a work, add some conformance, add a behavior, and then you'll be saved. Because the work of Christ on the cross is incomplete without this. There's this peculiarity, right, in the church, in this in its history and in its understanding, where somehow we correlate outworked behaviour with righteousness. And, and Paul spends the majority of his letter, and in Romans, and in Philippians, to the churches saying, you can do nothing to add to the righteousness Christ has given you. That's it. That's the foundation. That is it. Stop messing about with it. There's only one gospel. Leave it alone. And yet somehow it creeps in. Like we've got KPIs or something. That our relationship with God is predicated upon performance. How have I done this week? How about this? How about that? But we know that the launch pad into the fullness of life in Christ is his grace, is his freedom, and his empowering of his spirit. But somehow we can get easily sidetracked. Without the empowering presence of God, all the spiritual disciplines we might employ in our lives will feel like effort. We'll feel like drudgery. Well, I've got to pray today. I haven't fasted for 25 years. I need to, uh, you know, I need to give to the poor. I should surf. Let me have a purple T-shirt on. I'll do Super Gang. All right, go on. Yes. It's like, it's like there's this weird voice. Paul talks about it earlier on in the book of Galatians. He says, why is it that some of you are starting to celebrate Dates, new moon festivals, special days. It's like you're going back to the basic stuff of life. This is before God had the revel people had the revelation of who God is. It's superstitious. It's like, oh, if I hold this day sacred, the gods might bless me and my crops will grow. If I do this the action, then maybe God will bless me because that's a reciprocation. I, I do something, God acts, that's great. It's where you get crazy stuff like child sacrifice to Moloch and others. It's like, seriously? It's like the debased mind of humanity struggling to control their world and bring God into under their control. I'm going to manipulate God, I'm going to do what I need. But the flip side is that people end up in slavery to it. 
remember, I can't remember who it was, it may have been Gareth and Nicola who were sharing about when they were working in China and in Tibet and you've got these... Man, you've got these elderly people crawling round Buddhist stupas in their 80s or 90s, almost crippled, hoping that if they get another number of laps in around the stupa, that they will somehow not be reincarnated as goodness knows what in the next life. Because it's through my effort. Every religion out there is saying, your effort, your righteousness, your best works, your psychology, your philosophy. Christianity points to the one who's done it all for us and then says, I'm going to empower you by my spirit to live the life. Don't go back to that junk. Live life in the freedom of the spirit. Don't pick it up again. It's rubbish. Paul says it, doesn't he? In Philippians, he writes to the church there and he goes, look, I was the best, man. I was the best. I was the, the law-following Religious leader of the time. I did my study. I was the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Jew of Jews. I was circumcised on the eighth day like every proper Jewish kid should be. I had the mark of the covenant of God on my body as close to home as it can get. I followed the law. I followed it rigorously. And then when this weird stuff started, the cult of Christianity, I persecuted them. Because they weren't talking about the law. They weren't talking about how they should follow the Torah, how they should do this, that and the other. And so my zeal for God chased after them. And then what happened? Bang! I'm on the road to Damascus. I'm trying to find out what's going on there. Gather them up to put them in prison. And I get knocked to the floor in a blinding flash. And his voice says to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Me. Not the church. Not my followers. Me. Why? Because Christ directly aligns his heart with us. You are my church. You are my body. You are my bride. You are my people. You are the ones I love. You, collectively, as Nigel was sharing with me the other day, as Bonhoeffer says, are the community expression of Christ. He is our head. He is our head shepherd. He is our life and our breath, our love, our very soul. It's the spirit of Christ in us, community, together. The manifest wisdom of God through your gift and your gift and your gift, scattering abroad different gifts and abilities so that the church might represent Christ to the world and more come in and know him. All empowered by his Holy Spirit. And I've forgotten completely where I was going with that. Paul's life was turned upside down through an encounter of Christ. He calls himself like one who was abnormally born. All the other apostles walked with Jesus for three years, did the training, did the learning, got the degree, got the certificate, put it on the wall. Thank you very much, Lord. We did Pentecost. But Paul is this apostle who's abnormally born. He's done the law. Romans 7, read that chapter. Why do I keep doing what I choose or desire not to do? For I worked out there is something at war within me that even though I've studied the law, I've studied Torah under Gamaliel, even though I've put my head to it, I still do the things I don't want to do. I still do the stuff I know are offensive to God. So Paul's walking this journey out in his junior life and in the life as a teenager and in his early 20s. He's walking it out going, man, life, I'm doing everything it says, but nothing's working. 
Why is this this thing at work in me? And then he encounters Christ. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit by Ananias on straight street. And his world turns upside down. So he goes back to it. He doesn't ignore it. He goes back to it and goes, man alive, everything's changed. Let me go find out what it is. And he realises that the promise was originally given on the basis of faith. Believe me, God says. Believe me. Believe in me. Get to know me. Believe me. And I credit that to you as righteousness. So what do we have? We have the life, perfect life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says, believe in me. If you believe in me and recognise you can do nothing of your own, I'll credit that to you as righteousness. Jesus' own true, pure, perfect love becomes mine. But now I've got this scenario where I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, God has told me and I've got the historic proofs of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've also got the experience of the Spirit in community and in my own life and the profound attribute of the prophecies that I've received from gifted prophets in the church which have been expressed through my children and multiple circumstances. So I know God's alive and he's speaking. That's done. That's foundational end of. I've got the history. I've got the scriptures. It all ties together and I see the dynamic of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm kind of like, okay, so I'm in grace. Christ has done it all for me. But I've still got inclinations to do stuff. So what do I do? How do I work that out? What does that look like? I've still got the old operating system in my mind of how I used to be, what I used to do, what I used to think about. Now, Paul in Galatians 5, he kind of, thus far in, in the preceding four chapters, he's done a lot of unpacking to resolve the argument that the Judaizers or those of the circumcision have been promoting. So there's a lot of unpacking in there. And we've gone through that and we've hit this hard and time after time. Now we get to this bit where you go, right, brilliant. Now's the bit for the Holy Spirit. Now's the bit for the empowered life. And he goes through it in like 10 verses, and that's it. And you're like, uh, I'm sorry. We're, surely you can unpack that a bit more. And it's like, as we were chatting a bit earlier ago, it's like, well, I've already written it to the Romans, and I've written it to the Philippians, and I've written it to Timothy, and I've written it to Titus, and I've written it to blah, 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 and you can find it in the Gospels. I'm not going to tell you again and see what big hand I'm writing in. I'm done. I've been beaten up enough times for Jesus. There you go. I've solved the circumcision question. Leave me alone. So you don't always find it in his letter to Galatians. But there are these principles I want us to grab hold of. Verse 16. Leave me glasses. It's not going to work without these. Verse 16 of chapter 5, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, so that, chap, that verse, okay, walk in the Spirit, what's he saying? This word walk is literally like be. Do your every day. Just be, walk about. Be aware of God, just, just be. As you go about your life, be in the Spirit. Now we've got to think, okay, well, um, I'm not quite sure what that looks like. What does that look like? Well, it looks like being aware of God. So, okay, how do I get aware of God? Well, I can use some spiritual disciplines to be aware of God in my everyday life. I can start the day with him. That's a help. 
That'll, that'll help me reference where I'm at with him. So he's not just at the back end of a list of Netflix things I want to watch and books I've read and what's going on in the news and what I've got on me WhatsApp and me Instagram and blah, blah, blah. Actually, if I, if I put him first, it's probably going to inform some of my thinking today. So I can apply something. I can do something. And of course, when he gives an instruction that's an action, walk, it's pretty intentional, isn't it? So do something. So it's not all spiritual, you know, like ethereal. It's like, no. The spiritual is made manifest in the, in the physical. It's why, peculiarly, circumcision was a sign of the covenant in the physical, the cutting off of the flesh, the foreskin of the penis, cutting it away and making an expressed um, kind of physical representation of a spiritual reality. Your very being has had flesh cut off and cast off, and you've been separated for God. So both the man and the woman now know together, we together, and anything we produce in our life together is through this covenant, is through this arrangement. So we ground the spiritual into the physical. That's God's expectation. He created a physical world with a spiritual reality. So we walk in the spirit. We walk about our everyday Go to verse 18. But you are led by the Spirit. You're not under the law. So here we are walking around and we're just living life in God. And then Paul says, well, actually, I'm going to bring this other word in, which is being led. I want you to be led by the Spirit. Well, how are we led by the Spirit? We're led by the Spirit by intentional listening and awareness of what God's doing. How do we find out what God's doing? By listening, but by getting to know him. How do we get to know God aside from his word? It's going to be difficult. So if my Bible's sat on the side and it's dusty and it's dirty and it's never getting opened and I'm never reading it, it's going to be likely that I'm not only not learning about his character and his nature and who he is, but I'm not going to hear the now word of God either. We're getting robbed if we think that spiritual disciplines are a burden. We're getting robbed. We're getting robbed of intimacy with Christ. We're getting robbed of intimacy with the Father. We're getting robbed of moments of leading and direction by the Holy Spirit if we don't make space for him. It's a really hard one, isn't it? Because everything we talk about is grace, grace upon grace. He's done it all for us. There's nothing left to do. Absolutely right. All day, every day. But actually, we have a walking and an engaging with God that we are to choose, that we decide to do, not out of duty, but out of grateful love. And all those best interactions I've ever had with God, I've always walked out feeling like he's just, poured more in than I ever poured out. He's just poured more truth into me, more grace, more understanding, more peace, more joy, more kindness than I've poured out. And so as I'm being led by the Spirit, I'm asking questions. I'm saying, God, actually, this isn't my day. It's your day. 
It's not overly popular, is it? But Paul uses language like, uh, when he starts some of his letters, like, uh, I, Paul, an apostle, a bond servant of Christ. It's not overly popular, like, because we like to be sons of God and daughters of God. Absolutely true. Because we've been adopted. We're now in his family in Christ. But there's this duality in that not only are we sons and daughters, but we are bond servants. Because we recognise in the family that we have a father whom we obey. We've actually been purchased by him, redeemed from the death of the world and are now in the kingdom of his son. We've got cords of love that bond us to the father. It's almost like I don't get a choice anymore. As Paul puts it elsewhere, no longer a slave to sin, the things that offend God destroy me and other people, but I'm a slave to righteousness because the spirit at work in me is just energised to produce Christ-likeness, Christ-life in me again and again and again. So when I choose to read the Bible, when I choose to put on worship music, when I choose to sit in quiet and silence, when I choose solitude rather than people, when I choose whatever it is, it's never to earn anything because he's already mine. He's already given himself to me. But it is to take hold of, as Paul says, the fullness of Christ. I want to take hold of him. I want to know him above all things. I don't want anything else to get into my frame of view. He's the one I want. Again and again, Paul's ultimate goal is to know Christ. That's it. I just want to know him. I want to get to know him and I want to get to know him more. And then when I've got to know him more, I know there's a thousand times more to know. Because quite, you know, quite so far, I've not grasped yet that compassion and that love that took him to the cross. I've not quite grasped hold of that outrageous kindness that sees people gathered up in the depths of all their horrific life circumstances and sees them resolved and brought into freedom. I've not yet fully understood and comprehended the wisdom of God and his understanding in what he's created. And I've not yet understood his authority for the now moment where God is saying, I want to move now. Can you see? Can you understand what I'm doing? And will you follow me? Now that's, that's all the life of the disciple. To get to know him, to understand his ways, to grasp hold of who he is. Like the woman who was grabbing hold of the, the cloth of his, his garment. In our discipleship, our pursuit is him. Him. Now we struggle with that in this culture. We've got a highly individualistic, highly autonomous, segregated society. I do my thing, you do your thing. We find it really hard to allow somebody else to disciple us. Really hard to learn from somebody else and allow them into our sphere of influence, our own world. But that isn't God's way. 
God's way is for us to do it in community, together. A lot of what Paul says in Galatians is you plural, not you singular. And so he wants us to be together in group life. Seriously, I'm not just throwing that out there as a thing, right, to promote group life. He wants us in group life. He wants us to one another, your gift bouncing off my gift, my rubbish against your rubbish, iron sharpening iron where it's beneficial, learning from one another, learning to forgive, learning to accept, learning to listen, and allowing the life of Christ and his Holy Spirit to manifest in and amongst us so that we don't become one-year-olds who've been one 22, year, 22 times. We become 22-year-old Christians who are seeking for the mature, the meat that we're after, not the milk again. We've done with that. We've done with Christ's death and resurrection. We've done with the foundational premise of grace. Now move on to the meat. What does it look like for the kingdom of God to come today? How does it look for you to move in his guiding and leading? How is Holy Spirit anointing you and strengthening you for the things he wants you to do? What does that look like? What's he saying to you today about that person you're stood next to in the street or in the office or in the playground or in Sainsbury's? It's a dynamic life that we live out. Listening to him going, oh, okay, Lord, what, what are you doing right now? And making mistakes and knowing it's okay. Again, I'm going to go again because I believe your word. And when your word says that you speak and my sheep will know my voice, I'm listening. So it's a tricky one, right? Because Paul's building, building, building towards freedom in the spirit. And that's where we get a wide open playing field. And we can stand in that playing field going, okay, Ah. Uh, what do we do now? I've been saved. I'm on the pitch. Now what? And the now what is the now of discipleship. It's like, come follow me. Come listen to the coach, the Holy Spirit. Come hear what he's saying, how to play, how to move that ball around, what position I want you in, where I'm wanting you to get to. And then we're going to score some touchdowns. We're going to see some celebration moments because we're going to see the kingdom of Jesus break out and lives transformed and changed. And then we'll all step back and go, oh, my days, it wasn't us. It was him. So can I encourage you, take hold of every opportunity every day to spend time with him. He loves you. And if that's a strain, if that message is not being received by your brain or your heart, We've got Stephen M. Pidd coming next week. They've got a beautiful ministry. And they've seen breakthrough after breakthrough, not only physical breakthrough, but emotional and spiritual breakthrough. With the truth of God's word being ministered into the children of God. And if that's not an opportunity for you, then being in group life is an opportunity. It's getting alongside others, asking the question, going, man, people keep talking about the love of the Father, but I just don't get it. Okay. And that's a journey, right? It's not like, yeah, next Tuesday we'll get it sorted. It may be the case, but it may not be. It may be that in six months' time you look back and go, yeah, he's done it. He's done it. He just walked me through gently at a pace I needed. He put people around me. I gave myself to it, and he's moved me. 
and now I understand the love of the Father. That disappointment that hurts so badly, it no longer hurts when I think about it. That, that thing that happened with somebody, it no longer hurts when I think about it. That's been resolved. That's been resolved. This is the life in the Spirit. The freedom that we're to walk in. Not religious, legalism, but pursuing God with our time and the grace that he gives us just to know him. Just to know him. Let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful that this is a life of freedom and liberty. It's not about rule following. It's not about achievement. It's not about our best efforts. That your grace is upon us and we are so grateful. We're so grateful, Jesus. I want us to not be robbed anymore, Father. I want us to not be robbed anymore by the busyness of this world, by the by the, the stuff that comes through media that distracts us and causes us anxiety and fear and and just plagues people's minds. I want us to not be robbed anymore by a culture that doesn't create time and space for you. I want us to not be robbed anymore by a pace of life that just says, put it back to Sunday, just get your week done, move on. Because I know that your heartbeat is one that cries in us, Father, Abba. Abba, it's your spirit in us that cries, Abba, Father. And you so want to meet your children. You so want to increase your presence amongst us and be with each and every one of us in increasing measure daily. So Lord, in your grace, would you draw us with cords of love? Draw us, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, provoke us this week. Draw us with cords of love into your presence for the glory of Jesus. Amen.